Well, good morning, everyone. That's such, I was just reflecting, it's very happy music for a series called Pain and Pretending, but <laughs> it's supposed to get you there already before we even talk about it. Um, can anyone believe that it's February? Can anyone else like not believe that that's the case? Um, it is wild to me that we are already in the second month of 2024. I almost said 2023 because I still don't know what year it is half the time. Um, but just a few reminders for you of a few things happening here at Team Street before we get started with our scripture talk this morning. Uh, next Sunday night, starting at 6 p.m., we are hosting the date night tour. Um, we used to host it pre-COVID, and so it's back. And so it is a great night of comedy, of performance, all the lovely things. And so if you're looking to strengthen your relationships, to have fun, to laugh, um, you can check out that on our website. And then the following Sunday is one of my personal favorite Sundays at King, not that I don't always love Sunday mornings, um, but we are doing water baptism that Sunday morning. We're celebrating those who are wanting to take the next step in their faith, and so if that is you or if you have questions or want to know more, again, kingstreet.org is the place for you to find out all of the details, to get tickets, to sign up, all of the above. Um, like I said lightheartedly at the beginning, we are actually finishing off our series this morning called Pain and Pretending where we are journeying through the idea that we are humans. And a part of the human experience is sometimes a little bit of pain and sometimes a little bit of pretending that maybe we're not in that phase or what does that look like or whatever season we find ourselves in these days. And so while the Jesus following life is filled, as most of you would um, you know, ascribe to this morning, filled with hope and peace and joy and love and strength and mercy, and we can go on and on and on. It is also filled with seasons, whether they feel short, as in in a moment, or whether they feel long, as in years. There are seasons of heartbreak, of disappointment, of hardship, of longing, of yearning for things to see what God is going to do. And I know I'm not the only one in the room to have that experience. And so as we begin this morning, there's no better place actually as we finish this series than looking at our passage to ponder. And so if you're able, would you stand with me? And we are going to recite out loud as we normally say so that our neighbors can hear our passage to ponder in 2 Corinthians 4. So let's read it together. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God, not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Thank you very much. You may be seated. And as we look at that scripture, again, I say that there's no better place to end this series with in that it talks about, like I just mentioned, these kind of two sides of the Christian faith. There are moments where you literally may feel hard-pressed, squeezed on every side, like nothing seems to be going your way, like you are completely confused at what God is doing, maybe actually persecuted by those around you, physically, emotionally, or spiritually pushed down. Amen to that. 
that there are seasons where that is how life feels. And yet on the other hand, as we're reminded in this passage, is the Bible, first of all, makes room for this. Otherwise, it wouldn't have been in there in the first place. It makes room for disappointment. It makes room for times where life doesn't feel perfect. And yet, as Paul reminds, uh, uh, reminds us in that passage, is that we do not lose heart because those things never get the best of us. They are not the end of our story. And so as those troubles, as Paul mentions, are actually making way for an eternal glory. It's a beautiful sentence. And so they don't need to have our full attention. We still need to pay attention to the disappointments and troubles and hardships of life. But they don't require our full focus, our full attention, because they are not the end of the story. Amen to that? And so this morning, we're going to look, at, as we mentioned earlier, about dealing with disappointment. Has anyone ever been disappointed here before? Or is it just me? Okay. If it was just me, I'd still tell you all about my own disappointment. But uh, none of us are strangers to that. And I'm sure, like most of you in the room, I could stand up here and list a bunch of disappointments that I've been through in life, whether it be family, financial, job-related, relationships, whatever that looks like, there is disappointment. And we could list it because we're not unfamiliar to it. But this morning, and we've, we've touched on her, I believe, throughout this series a few times, we're going to look at the story of Hannah from the Old Testament in 1 Samuel chapter 1. And I think she teaches us a lot about what it looks like to be in seasons of disappointment. Now, just as a, as a side note, a lot of her disappointment is related to fertility and having kids, and that might be your story this morning, and it might not be. And I think that her lessons and what her story brings is much deeper than her circumstance in particular. And so to summarize a part of the story, so we don't read the entire chapter this morning, is there was a man named Elkanah, and he had two wives. Hannah was one of them, and um, Penina was the other one. And right from the beginning of the story in 1 Samuel, the scripture tells us that Penina had children, and Hannah did not. And that was immediately, we're starting literally right in the beginning of this book of the Bible with her disappointment. And year after year, her husband, Eltena, would go and leave, and he would go and worship and make sacrifices on behalf of his family. And so he would present sacrifices for Penina and her children. And then he would actually, as the scripture tells us, give a double portion for Hannah because of his love for her and because he knew that she couldn't have children. That he goes and he offers actually more based on his love for her, and he knew her struggles. And so in verse 6, before we even have any points or principles from this morning, this is what Scripture says in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 6. So Penina would taunt Hannah and make fun of her because the Lord had kept her from having children. And I just want you, as we read these things, to think of that passage to ponder that we were talking about. Persecuted. Hard-pressed. Year after year, it was the same. Penina would taunt Hannah and as they, went to the, as they went to the tabernacle. And each time this happened, Hannah would be reduced to tears and would not even eat. Again, it's very reminiscent of our passage to ponder, hard-pressed on every side, squeezed, persecuted, all of the crushed, to the point where she's literally not eating. And again, I bet some of you in this room, whether you're in that right as you walked in this morning, you've been in a season like that where you just feel like, I don't know what to do. 
You're reduced to tears. I don't even know what I should be doing for the next couple of hours, let alone the next couple of weeks. Those feelings are normal. And so it might not be the most encouraging one to you this morning, and hopefully it's not a new principle for you, but our first point or principle for this morning is that troubles and disappointments will come to all of us. That's if I just said, amen, you are dismissed. Have a great rest of your Sunday. And again, I, I say this in the sense that Hannah's barrenness was not her fault. There are some times in scripture where we hear about a consequence to say, this happened and so God did this thing as a consequence to somebody's action. But in this scenario, we're not really told why she's barren. She just is in our story. And so it comes down to this idea that this principle is not surprising to anyone this morning, that troubles and disappointments are going to be a part of your life. But I don't know if you agree with me to say that this principle is actually really, really hard to live. Most of us are logical enough that if I was to say, do you think your life will be perfect? You would say, absolutely not. And then when something in life is imperfect, we say, God, what was that? I thought you and I had an arrangement. And we know scriptures like John in John 16, where Jesus says, I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace, and in the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So we know these verses. We know hardship, disappointment, trials, tribulations are going to show up, But like I said, we often have these situations where then when they do, we think, wait a second, God, this isn't how it's supposed to go. I read my Bible all week this week. What do you mean? Like, God, I thought you and I, like I said, I thought we had a deal. Not me, maybe Pastor Gary, but not me. (laughs) Give it to him. And we referred, again, rightfully so, to Job a lot in this series because he is a very good person to model this principle that I, I actually decided, I don't really know why, to be honest, maybe it was a God thing, to read Job all through January. So I decided to really start the year off on a high note. And as I'm reading it, you're constantly wrestling with what's going on and Job's friends, God bless them, are constantly saying like, okay, Job, just confess. You clearly did something that caused you to lose your family, all your livestock, your property, everything. Just admit it. And over and over again, he says, guys, I didn't do anything. It's just happening to me. And his friends, again, are wrestling with the same questions you and I wrestle with often is to say, okay, but like, under the table, just tell us. What did you really do? And so the scriptures are actually pretty clear throughout Job that he didn't do anything. It's just a test and a trial of his faith. And we all know someone like that, I'm sure. Maybe you are that person where you think, I've lived a pretty good life. Again, we've all fallen short. We've all sinned. But, you know, God, I've done all the things. And yet we know that person who is like a saint. And we could just say their faith is like, wow, I want that. And they get the diagnosis. Or they get that phone call. Or it just feels like, man, can that person ever catch a break? Like, they're supposed to be the, like, closest to God. And we, again, we we go back to that question of, God, but really them? Or God, really me? Do I really have to go through these moments? 
And as we've said often here at Cain Street, that troubles and disappointments come to us whether we are prepared or not, and whether we want them or not, actually. They're just coming. That just like for Hannah, this wasn't how she thought her life was going to go. But here she is, right in the beginning of the story, right in the first sentence, Hannah was barren. Which leads us to the second principle for this morning, is that hardships and great disappointments can reveal whose plan we're really following. That from a psychological point of view, if we're actually going to describe what disappointment is, you're going to only feel disappointed about something if you had an expectation of it in the first place. You wanted a particular thing to happen, you wished for it, maybe you actually believed that you deserved it to be the case, and then it didn't play out. You're disappointed. And that can be as something as little as, I'm disappointed I don't get to go to a particular party or something because I had plans, or it can be much bigger than that, as we know. And so all of this actually points to the fact that sometimes we're relying on our own plan instead of God's ultimately. To say, but God, I had it worked out. I wrote, this is how it's going to go. And it doesn't play out like that. Disappointment. And the tricky part of this as, you know, we're humans is that disappointment is a human experience. I'm not telling you to wipe it from your life and to never feel your emotions again. It's actually the opposite of what I believe. And yet, when we feel these disappointments, when we feel these hard times, these, these situations, they can reveal where we're putting our trust in the first place. Is it in what I wanted for my life? Or is it what I think God is doing in my life? And so you would think, when we looked at the story of Hannah, that she would be growing up thinking, I'm going to have kids. It was a very, part, very big part of the society back then, of being married, attached to a, a man, and to have kids and continue the lineage. And so you'd think that growing up, that wouldn't even have been a question for her. Is I'm gonna, this is how my life is going to go. I'm going to have kids. I'm going to be married. And we're just going to live this life that I see everyone else living. But her expectations, again, hers, her expectations were not playing out in the way that she wanted them to. Has anyone ever, ever had a moment like that? Please don't raise your hand and please don't yell it out loud what that moment is. <laughs> but when you look around and you just think like, oh, this isn't where I wanted this to be. This isn't where I wanted it to be. That you're not alone in that. And Lisa Turkhurst, who I know the women have studied a lot here at King, uh, in 2018, she wrote a book called It's Not Supposed to Be This Way, Finding Unexpected Strength When Disappointments Leave You Shattered. What a book title. And she writes this. It's an amazing book. She said, when his timing seems questionable and when his lack of in intervention seems hurtful and his promises seem doubtful, I get afraid. I get confused. And left alone with those feelings, I can't help but feel disappointed that God isn't doing what I assume, underline that, what I assume a good God should do. She said, when I'm left alone with life, and when things are not always following the linear path that I thought it would, I always think, man, this is not how I think God should be acting. Again, none of us are, are um, strangers to that thought, that we have a lot of plans for God, whether you want to admit them or not. That we have ideas of how life should go. And yet later on in the book, because she talks about that we're not the ones writing the story and we're really living in tension 
between when Jesus first came and when he's coming back. And her whole premise is that in between those two comings, it's not supposed to be this way. And she goes on in the book to say this quote, disappointment isn't proof that God is withholding good things from us. It's his way of leading us home. Amen to that. The disappointment is one of, the, one of the ways, there are many, that God tries to turn our focus. He tries to shift our head as we were just singing. That it's within these moments that I think we're the most aware that we're not in control. When we're in control, I don't think we think about how in control we really are. We think, man, things are going well. Thank you, Jesus. You and I are doing it together. And then when things veer off, you think, God, where are you? What just happened? I don't want to steer this on my own. I don't want to do this by myself. I need you. And this is what happens, again, as we look at Hannah's story, that once, it's, it continues in 1 Samuel, once after a sacrificial meal at Shiloh, Hannah got up and went to pray. And Eli the priest was sitting at his customary place beside the entrance of the tabernacle, and Hannah was in deep anguish, crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord, and she made this vow. O Lord of heaven's armies, if you will look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, then I will give him back to you. He will be yours for his entire lifetime, and as a sign that he would be dedicated to the Lord, his hair will never be cut. And as she was praying to the Lord, Eli watched her. Seeing her lips moving but hearing no sound, he thought, she must be drinking. Must you come here drunk, he demanded? throw away your wine. He says, how can you act like this? Oh, no, sir, she replied. I haven't been drinking wine, and I, I think it's funny that she says, or anything stronger than that. But I'm very discouraged, and I was pouring out my heart to the Lord. Don't think that I am a wicked woman, for I have been pray, praying out of great anguish and sorrow. And in that case, Eli said, go in peace and may the God of Israel grant the request that you have asked of him. Again, the Bible makes room for disappointment or that part of the story wouldn't have been in there in the first place. She's pouring it out, recognizing that she needs him in every sense of the way that up until now she's been living in her own expectations and now she turns to God and says, I'm done and I'm giving it to you and I need you. Which brings us to our last point for this morning. That disappointments produce far more in us than what we can see. That in turning to God, in going to the tabernacle and pour, like literally pouring it out, you can hear it, I can imagine it when, when, you, when we read it, that she is relieved from her troubles. That her situation didn't change in that moment. As we'll read in a second, it does eventually change. But in that moment, a baby doesn't just fall out of heaven and into her arms. She still has wrestling to do. But that day, and we can be sure of this, her faith was strengthened. That she was renewed that day, like our passage to ponder said. That she was heard. And as we read, she goes on to become pregnant with a son. And she names him Samuel because it means heard by God, that she pours it out, this disappointment, and not only was her circumstance changed, but she was strengthened ultimately. Her faith was renewed, and her testimony was written. 
And Romans 5, 3 to 4 says, we've read it before, that we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. And first of all, before we finish that verse, I think that oftentimes we can read that and think, okay, so I'm supposed to be like really happy when something bad happens? I'm supposed to pray every day like, please, Lord, let this be the day that it all falls apart. No. They write in Romans, we can rejoice when we run into problems and trials. For we know, or because we know, that they help produce or develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and that strength of character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. But again, we don't rejoice when the actual trouble comes. Thank you, Lord, for that car accident. I hope I get in one tomorrow. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) That's the quote they're going to use for, like, our Instagram or something tomorrow. But it's, it's more than that. That when we're in this state of hardship, that we know that God is working through them, that he's transforming in us a different kind of stamina, a different kind of endurance, strengthening, literally training our character like if you're at the gym. And eventually then, our hope in salvation, our hope in Jesus. That again, disappointments are not the end goal, but they're a journey that leads us closer to Jesus and a journey as he calls us home. Um, Again, not to totally switch gears, which this might seem like a really weird sidetrack as to where I'm going to head with this. How many of you have been to a party and used a pinata before? Only some of you have only had fun, okay? Some of you go after this and get a pinata and go home and burst it open with your family. But they normally look like this. They're bright, beautifully colored. They're normally a bunch of, you know, creatures or Paw Patrol or whatever, I don't know. And we bring them to a party, we blindfold someone, and we give them really a weapon of destruction, and then we just let them go to town. I don't, there's no other scenario where I would blindfold someone and give them a stick and just say, go for it. But here we are, and we do it with kids who also have no capacity for restraint, and so we do it with them, of all the population, and so what a fun time to have. And so we we hang them up, we fill them with candy, and what normally happens to a pinata? We hold it up, it gets beat to a pulp. The leg comes off, the arm gets broken off, the head is dangling off of this horrible rope that it's part of. It doesn't get um, touched lightly, right? A four-year-old with a stick, knowing there's candy inside, you can just imagine it in your mind. That it takes a beating, And kind of like what we're talking about this morning, not to make light of it, life can feel like a pinata where it's just one thing after another. Hit after hit after hit after hit, and sometimes, hopefully not literally, it feels like my arm just fell off. Like, how am I going to go on? Another thing, another hit, over and over and over again. Hopefully it's not at the hand of a four-year-old for you with a stick. But life can figuratively feel like that. That you're beaten up, pressed on every side, persecuted. All the things we have been reading that we mentioned earlier. But what happens when the pinata finally breaks open and it falls apart? Pure chaos, first of all. But you have candy, toys, all the lovely doodads that get lost in the middle of your couch. Slime, which is every parent's dream falls out of the pinata, and it is a heyday. The kids are having the time of their life. 
these really sweet things fall out of this piñata. It's celebration. And that's kind of like what Romans is talking about here. To say that we were, it's developing these sweet things inside of us, these trials and tribulations and the disappointments and the hardships, the list goes on, that they're going to help us to grow, become more like Jesus, and produce really sweet stuff in us. That just like the piñata literally has to take a hit in order for the sweet stuff to pour out, sometimes the same is for us in life. That, but the difference is we know why the piñata is getting beaten up. We know once I beat this thing to a pulp, <laughs> the sweet stuff is going to pour out. And yet when we're sitting there and we're the one that feels like we're getting beaten down, we think, I don't really know what's going on. And God says, I am producing the sweet stuff in you. I am producing stamina and endurance and faith all the things that maybe before you had, but we're going to get them further. A trust, a character in you that is unbreakable by things, that is what I'm producing in you. And so when the disappointments and the hardships come and they break you open, that's what's going to pour out of you. Resiliency. And as Lisa Turkhurst mentions at the, near the end of her book, as we close this morning, she says, a disappointment can sometimes be a divine appointment in disguise. And so as we wrap this morning, I don't know how your story is right now. I don't know where along the journey you are. But let us be a people who, when we face those disappointments and hardships and the things that bump up against us in life, to first of all, take time to process that. That's okay. To say like, oh, I really got to grieve that. Or I really got to process through that. But then also to be a people who are keenly aware of what divine intervention might be going on in, in behind the scenes. And to start asking those questions like, okay, God, how can I process through this? Like, this is hard, and I want to bring that to you like Hannah did. I want to pour it out like Hannah did. But then to turn around and say, but I also know that I'm not alone, as we read. I'm not abandoned all those things, and to, and to ask that question of what sweet stuff are you producing in me right now? Is it more faith? Is it more patience? Is it character? Whatever it is, God, would you be able to produce those things in me? I'm open to that. Amen to that this morning? And so as we close, I'm just going to invite Pastor Dave back up as he has some things to walk us through at the end of the gathering, but let us be a people that do that. Amen? And so would you uh, welcome Pastor Dave back at that. Amen. Let's give our appreciation affirmation to Pastor Chris.